Are you accepting it? No, of course no. not. Rubbish. The government is not accepting it. Welcome to Two Grumpy Hacks, the podcast. I'm Malcolm Farr, and of course, we're with Dennis Atkins. And this is the year of the fire hose of falsehood. Hello, and welcome to episode nine, uh, sorry, 31. Getting away from myself. 31 of Two Grumpy Hacks, the podcast. Uh, Dennis, two headlines yesterday, Monday. Uh, attracted my attention. One in the Fin Review was Corman leads push for a global carbon price. Um, this is the uh, OECD Secretary General, Matthias Corman, who used to be our finance minister. And I don't recall him in the past eight years of coalition government ever being a- an enthusiast for a carbon price, quite the opposite. So either he was pretending then... Uh, or he's pretending now, but perhaps more importantly, it's another example of a major global organisation putting pressure on Australia and on Prime Minister Scott Morrison to head towards uh, zero emissions in 2050. The other headline did involve the Prime Minister. It said, it was in his fanzine, the National Daily, it said, PM's Clean Energy Export Plan. Now, a read of the story revealed that he didn't actually have a plan, but he was thinking about having one. Um, and, and this isn't unusual. Uh, Scott Morrison tends to uh, uh, say he's got plans that rarely get beyond the announcement stage. Uh, but I, I think, Dennis, you are much more sympathetic um, and you think he does have a plan. What is it? I wouldn't say I'm sympathetic. Don't, don't, don't get carried away. I, I Look, I think that he's got a plan, and, and it's the kind of plan that Scott Morrison has, and that is a plan uh, for his own personal political survival and advancement. I think he's got a plan for an election uh, sooner rather than later uh, because there was a third headline on Monday morning, one in the West Australian, uh, which said that... Uh, the Prime Minister may not go to Glasgow for the UN climate conference at the beginning of November. Um, And it was uh, written by Lani Scar, uh, the political editor of that newspaper, who went off to Washington and New York with the Prime Minister and came back on his plane and had an interview with him on the way back. Uh, And she got all sorts of information. This was perhaps the most interesting. Well, it wasn't perhaps the most. This was the most interesting because it signals that... uh, he thinks he's got something better to do than to go to uh, this very important conference that everyone's been talking about all year. Now, what could uh, possibly be more important than that? Well, maybe an election, maybe an election campaign. And if there was an election campaign, then uh, he, he wouldn't need to, well, the, the government wouldn't need to send a political representative. They could send... Uh, an official from the public service. See, my theory at the moment is, um, and I'll be interested to see what you think about this, I think at the moment the coalition has got more trouble with uh, climate change uh, as an issue than the Labor Party has. The National Party are saying we don't want a bar, well, most of the National Party are saying we don't want a bar of uh, net zero by 2050, 
inner city liberal MPs who, who are being chased by independents running solely on the issue of climate change and net zero by 2050 are at the other end of the spectrum. And, and these two, the divide between these two points uh, across politics is very, very large. And the Prime Minister, I don't think, can um, bridge that divide very easily. I think that uh, he would like to be able to get to the other side um, uh, of an election without having to take a firm position. And what better way to do it than to create the distraction of actually having an election campaign? Yep, that's that's uh, that's pretty uh, compelling argument. And you're quite right that his big battle now is with his own government. He's essentially signed on with... Boris Johnson of Britain uh, with uh, Biden of the US and uh, a stack of other people uh, in accepting there should be a move to uh, 20, uh, to zero emissions. But, you know, uh, he's not worried about what Joe Biden or, or Johnson think about it. He's more worried about what um, some of the loonies in the National Party think about it because he needs their presence and their votes uh, in the House. And uh, to a degree, I agree with you, if he can forestall uh, any great showdown until later in the year, then uh, he might slip through. But I just don't think he will be able to do that because there is going to be so much pressure on him, not just from uh, you know, pressure for... Uh, climate change moves, and uh, not just from his backbenches, but also um, you know, internationally. Uh, he remember this is the guy who brought a lump of coal in. Remember, remember the the coal clown act he did in Parliament with that lump of coal. Um, he he doesn't really stand for anything, so he's suddenly got to pretend that he's a fierce uh, anti climate change activist, and it just won't go over well. I'm thinking that. Um, there might be an election earlier next year rather than later this year. But as they say, uh, prime ministers call elections when they think they can win. In the meantime, I think we'd better get used to members of the National Party throwing some of the more uh, outrageous allegations around with, in connection with uh, climate change. Um, uh, Matt Canavan is, uh, is sure to be, uh, perform as he has recently, by making exaggerated uh, claims. And uh, Barnaby Joyce has just made it clear that he's going to stand up for mining interests against the rest of Australia, including uh, um, Agricultural Australia, which allegedly uh, the Nationals represent. It's going to be very, very messy, I think, is a technical term. Absolutely. Um, you know, yes, it is difficult for the Prime Minister... Uh, for Scott Morrison to uh, engineer an election uh, this year rather than next year, but you know the, the, he's got a uh, he he has to work out the the balance of risk and and whichever way he turns between now and um, whatever it is the twenty first of May, uh, you know w w which is the last day he can have an election next year. Uh, you know, every Saturday carries risk. Um, you know, and I just think, you know, he, 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 he wants to, he wants something to fight on. And at the moment you can almost hear the gears of his brain sort of 
crunching into the battle mode, um, taking on the premiers, particularly premiers in places like Queensland, Western Australia, uh, and to a lesser extent, South Australia and Tasmania, uh, about opening up, uh, about opening their borders and having freedom for for before Christmas, um, and and you know I think that that there is a campaign cooking away in his brain of the Commonwealth versus the states. People are sick of lockdowns. They're sick of the the inconvenience, they're sick of not being able to visit their relatives and, and, uh, and holiday in uh, wonderful places like um, uh, Gympie um, and, uh, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and, 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 you know, they, he, he thinks that he, he, can, he can build a campaign around this uh, once New South Wales and then Victoria uh, bring their restrictions down significantly, and that's going to start happening in the middle of October. Yeah. Now, now, you know, maybe maybe I'm wrong. We'll, we'll see. I've been wrong before. I, I did famously say that there'd be an election on October nine. I got that monumentally wrong. Uh, but that was all because of New South Wales and and their second wave or third wave. I've lost count. Um, I just think if you've got a summer coming up when bushfires are being predicted uh, and, and you've got the potential of the fallout of opening up uh, uh, around the country and the spread of, of the Delta variant of the virus, uh, then you know, I think the risks at the beginning of next year are just a bit greater than the risks of having an election at the end of November. All right. Well, look, meanwhile, I'm, I'm tempted to make our conversations for the podcast uh, a cabinet, the grumpy cabinet, <laughs> so that no one can FOI us. I mean, what on earth is, is it behind the thinking of the government to pass legislation which essentially pretends that National Cabinet... Uh, a, a jumped-up version of COAG, the Council of Australian Government that we're all used to, that that National Cabinet is some sort of uh, sacred soil that nobody can know what's going on there. Now, when Scott Morrison inhibits transparency, it's normally to, avi- to avoid accountability. And uh, I, uh, you know, the cynic in me says this is what he's trying to do. Could it be because uh, he um, he fouled up some uh, measures against COVID that he shouldn't have? Could it be that he's uh, perhaps claimed credit for all sorts of decisions from National Cabinet that uh, you know, a, a reading of the record would show uh, were not his uh, creations? Why do you think he's so... So determined, I mean, passing legislation of all things, or trying to, why is he so determined to make uh, National Cabinet something that it isn't? Well, I, I think there's maybe two reasons, uh, two, two that spring to my cynical mind. One is uh, maybe this, uh, you know, if, if the workings of National Cabinet were revealed, we might find out that National Cabinet, you know, after its initial emergency phase last year, when it, when I think it performed a very useful uh, and very worthwhile 
function. After that, it, it, it's just been a sort of, you know, a ticker box sort of a to-do list sort of operation um, that, that could have been done uh, by any uh, any form of, of COAG or a subset of COAG. Uh, so maybe National Cabinet doesn't actually do much. Um, the other thing, which uh, I think actually might have a bit more weight, is that this is a Prime Minister who loves secrecy, who loves hiding things, who loves, you know, uh, the, the cloak uh, of, of, um, uh, of complete uh, um, secrecy and um, keeping things hidden from the public. Uh, and, and I think that uh, he, he would really enjoy uh, having, having that enshrined in legislation. You know, the, the National Cabinet replaced COAG, as you said. COAG was never... Um, um, exempt from a freedom of information laws. Um, yeah, I remember when when the federal court first uh, said that national cabinet should be um, uh, open and and that people should be able to have access to it through freedom of information laws. And Morrison Scott Morrison was asked about it at the press conferences. He stood there and said, "Look." You've got transparency. Here it is here, pointing to himself. Me ah. being here. Me. Ah. I am transparency. Oh, <laughs> you know? oh. I mean. oh dear. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm sure uh, everybody uh, fell for, for that one. Look, I, I repeat, you know, uh, I, I think he feels vulnerable to transparency and secrecy is a self-protective thing. Look, just moving on, we, we might have to say some nice things about the, uh, the Prime Minister, because you might have thought that recent rumblings was from an earthquake, but apparently it was from, well, from what I read, it was Scott Morrison putting his foot down on the China issue uh, and, uh, you know, the, uh, the whole globe shook. In Washington, he, he, uh, he managed to... Uh, to get some of these betters in line against China through the submarine deal and also through the Quad um, meetings. Um, Dennis, did he make the earth move for you as well? Uh, not really, no, no. But, but I, 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 I've got to say, you know, that reading the notices uh, that accompanied the Prime Minister's visit to New York and Washington, I, I was blown away. I mean, I didn't realise that he had it in him, that he was, in fact, the greatest uh, leader, not, the, not, not just that Australia has had, but the world has ever seen. You know, according to the reports that came out of this trip, no prime minister has ever met with so many people, made so many momentous decisions, uh, you know, sealed so many... Uh, deals, you know, got praise from one end of the um, uh, the US to the other. Uh, I mean, there are even reports in in the News Corporation newspapers that uh, old sleepy Joe Biden, which um, uh, certain media outlets you know revel in poking fun at, that Morrison was so electric and so you know. <laughs> Compelling. He, he woke up Sleepy Joe. Goodness oh. me! Oh, oh, that, that's that's nasty. Look, uh, I, 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 um, look. Australians love 
Australian leaders love going overseas and um, and wandering around uh, with their peers, uh, with leaders of other countries. And I, I think we are a little bit uh, cringy in covering these things. But you're right about the, the reporting on Scott Morrison in certain areas, uh, quite a number of areas. Uh, th- there was a certain amount of serial onanism going on, wasn't there? And uh, uh, and, and look, maybe we're wrong if so many people thought he did a terrific job uh, you know, a superhuman job, maybe we have got the wrong end of the story. But I, I tend to agree can, with you. Yeah. Can I just sort of recall, I, I was on a trip with John Howard in 2003 and we threw, flew to Washington. Uh, John Howard met with George Bush. He met with members of the, the Congress. He, he met with uh, people at the Pentagon. He met with people at the State Department. He then went to New York where he met with Hans Glicks, who was the UN uh, weapons inspector who was uh, looking after Iraq, trying to find uh, weapons of mass destruction. He flew to London, saw Tony Blair and the British government, uh, and then he flew on the way home to Jakarta uh, to see uh, Mrs. Sukarno Putri, uh, the president of Indonesia at the time, and that was all in preparation for going to war in Iraq and sending Australian troops into Iraq. To me, that was a big, meaningful and very, very impactful uh, uh, trip overseas. And compared to this one? Uh, chalk and cheese. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, that's it for this episode and there will be more there will be more we promise you that in the meantime uh, it's goodbye from him and it's goodbye from here